This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, March 13th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Today's featured guest will be Michael Lee, senior NBA writer at the Vertical at Yahoo Sports. We're also going to see if we can score some time with Jay King of Mass Live. That is all coming up to roll along with some Celtics discussion here on this Daylight Saving Sunday and here on the 148th edition of Celtics Beat, which today is being brought to you by SeatGeek and American FamousNetwork.com. Friday night, the Celtics could not match last year's win total of 40 wins. We'll have plenty more opportunities to do that. We'd all like to assume that's going to be surpassed at some point, right? Hopefully in the very near future, like this coming week. But Boston splits two games at home this past week with some middle-tiered Western Conference teams. I think we all expected going into Friday night's game, they'd come away with a win there. I knew those 50 winners, those peeps who have hashed out the wins and losses on the schedule for the remainder of the year, they identified that game as a must-win, and Boston's schedule certainly gets real tricky from this point on. But after the Celtics came back from that mini Rocky Mountain roadie right after the All-Star break and started racking up wins the same way they did winning 8-9 before the break, there was always that concern there of a glaring weakness that was showing itself in the games they were winning, even the ones they were losing in those, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Favors, etc. And there was a part of this where, of course, they'd have nights like Friday where losing the inside game was going to get to them. Boston was outscored. I, believe, I, don't have, I think it's right off the top of my head. I think it's 60-46. to 46, Could be wrong there, but 60-46 to 46 in the paint. And first off, Lord knows where they would have been without Jared Sollinger getting 32 minutes out of him, too, by the way. But the Celts, they've been getting away with that for a while here. And every time on the pregame shows on CLNS Radio, and remember, CLNS Radio provides first pregame coverage before anyone at 4 p.m. Eastern time with yours truly, I've posted this to each and every one of our great guests. I've asked Jonathan Fagan, Rockets beat reporter for the Houston Chronicle. I asked Chris Wallace, Memphis Grizzlies general manager before the Grizz game back on Wednesday, who appeared on just this past week's shows alone. And I do ask, can any team, can Celtics opponent X take advantage of this glaring weakness that Boston is going for them and has no chance whatsoever at being rectified until the summer? That's what we're sort of forgetting here. But can opponent X take advantage of that? Well, opponent X just so happened to be the Rockets back on Friday and yes, there were other storylines that stood out from that game. More than that, and the reason for that is, in my eyes, because it seems that we assume it's so that the Celts are going to get beat by the Favorses and by the Lopezes and by the Monroes. And that was the case of Friday. And then, of course, coupled with the fact that, and I hate this phrase, and the reason I hate it is because I think you can just so easily apply it to any game and craft it as an excuse for why they lost and when they shouldn't have. But, but... The Celts did have one of those nights where, and they honestly, for the first time in a real long time, they played like shit. So um, at the, in the beginning of the year, middle of the year, I thought that was thrown around way too much. The, the one of those games excuse 
It was seemingly applied to every other game, it seemed like, or every other two games. So, But there was that, and, of course, Michael Beasley, I mean, where in the blue hell did that come from? So I do give the Celtics a little bit of a molly for Friday night. I do. And we should all definitely do the same as the Celtics team has shown time and time again over the last, not just this year, but the last calendar year that whenever you think they suffer a bad loss, a game you have virtually pegged as a, a win like Friday, which I and a lot of other people did, I don't know who, and that that includes the members of the Houston media who said, yeah, I like the Rockets there on Friday. I don't know anybody who liked Houston in that game. The Celts last year, they suffered a lot of losses like those, especially in their playoff push when they'd lose a bad home game and then they'd seemingly travel the next night and get things back on track and then some winning in places a lot of times on the second night of a back-to-back where one would think that they wouldn't, you know, particularly after losing to say, like, when they lost to Miami's backups last year at home on a Wednesday night, I believe, or Detroit at home on a Sunday evening. Then I believe they went to Brooklyn the very next night and they blew out a red-hot Nets team in their gym. And there were some other instances as well that just do not come right off the top of my head right now. Heck, they've done it a lot throughout the course of this year. We have said, Jesus, if they won this game, how in the world did they lose the game before? But, And I think for any other more predictable team, losing a game like that, like Friday at home, ending the winning streak, and looking long-term, you see next week's schedule at Indiana on Tuesday, back home on Wednesday on a back-to-back against Oklahoma City, and then in Toronto Friday night, certainly very easy to say, whoa, things can get a little off course here. Very easy to see us here back next Sunday on the 20th before the Celtics travel to play Philadelphia, and the team is heading into that game with a four-game losing streak. And then, of course, we haven't even discussed Jay Crowder's stat. Like, oh, no, no, we're starting to spot us out of control, all right? But we haven't discussed Jay Crowder's status. Completely up in the air. Should be out a decent amount of time here, which is a shame. It's been the case all year, too, by the way, in regards to health. They've never lost a key guy, fortunately, for the whole year. That's good. But this team almost always seems to be missing a component for a decent amount of time be it being without Marcus Smart for an extended time at various points in the season. Avery Bradley's been on the shelf for some games. And now the Celts are on the verge of getting Kelly Olenek back here. Very likely he's going to give it a run this Tuesday in Indiana, which that is going to be a big boost in that they're going to have that component of being able to at least draw other teams' bigs out of the paint, which would at least enable them to have less of an impact, really, so to say. So, right, I mean, defensively, on the defensive glass. So you get Olenek back for that. You get him back. And right as the Celtics are getting Kelly Olenek back, they lose Crowder Friday night. I know that allowed Brad Stevens to go very small in that game. That that helped the Celts make that little mini run. Maybe, maybe by some miracle, they were going to scum that game before Beasley. And of course, James Harden having that guy, that guy that everyone in Boston is just clamoring for. The Rockets were able to force feed it to Harden and say, here, go go win a game for us. The Celtics don't have that guy, and maybe on those crappy nights that, that they had, it's just, I don't know. But Houston had it, they did, and it was far from a great loss. I mean, obviously, now the Crowder injury, some tough games ahead. But I've learned my lesson not to get tied up in, into all the peaks and valleys. It's, you shouldn't be the case anywhere in sports, but especially with this team, and lose myself of analyzing every waking minute of what goes on here I mean you I don't tell anybody as well and I'm sure many are not feeling stupendous after the horror show on Friday and uh, stupendous there's there's a word stupendous big big words big words here 
You got super. I don't. Any no, no one's feeling super califragilistic expialidocious. We can we can use that to describe how, or even just describe the outlook. But still, I am willing to call a mulligan on Friday. It's still been a very good season thus far, with just loads of improvement across the board. Now, from a team standpoint, culture standpoint, individuals, a lot is being accomplished here. Too much, and I I really saw it this week, mostly off the court, and what was actually discussed off the court. I want to say that for our guests, and just off the fresh outlook of what the 2016 sellers are doing. So let's go to the first. Let's see what Jay King has to say. I mentioned at the beginning, he may be joining us. He is joining us. We got him here on the line right now. Before we do get to Jay, do want to let our audience aware of our ticket giveaway. We've been giving away tickets to games all throughout 2016 here. Details to all available contests are over on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Celticsbeat, facebook.com slash Celticsbeat. So the next available game is a barn burner, a slobber knocker in the words of Jim Ross. Wednesday, March 23rd, the Toronto Raptors, huge game. Toronto's visit to Boston, pair of tickets. Enter by simply subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. You need to write that review so we can see your name. Toss it into the hat, and you cannot write a review without a subscription. So you got to do all three steps. It seems like a lot, but trust us, it should really only take you about 20 seconds tops, no more. So just subscribe, rate, and write a review for Celtics Beat on iTunes. Okay, now, Jay King. Celtics beat reporter for Mass Live, also co-host of the Raining Jays podcast. Jay, first off, welcome back to the show, man. Feels, you know, feels like we should be kind of here dwelling over a, a rough loss that's on the heels of some incoming heavy lumber on the schedule. But I, I don't know. I, I just I've actually been somewhat of a loss for words at the early point of the show, which is very rare for me. But I just look at some recent historical examples of this team bouncing back after future losses like Friday nights as well as the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious amount of progress this team has made. And while I was uh, you know, on a lot of mainstreamers earlier in the year for always having that ready-made, one-of-those-nights excuses ready, but you know what? I, I think you can actually apply that one a Friday night. What say you? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, you look, that first quarter, Jay Crowder airballed a wide-open corner three. Avery Bradley shanked one from the other side. Uh, I mean, when Crowder goes 0 for 6 from 3, Marcus Smart is 0 for 4, Avery Bradley's 1 for 8, and a lot of those were really good looks, you're you're going to have a, a tough time beating a quality opponent like the Rockets. So, yeah, you, you know, you can overlook that one. They still played pretty good defense. The one thing that, that was, I think, obviously a potentially bigger issue was Crowder's ankle injury. And High ankle sprain. Yeah, Brad Stevens said he's he's positive about it, but if if he misses any extended time, we, we saw it later in the game. When they try to go small, it's like Evan Turner at the four, Marcus Smart at the four. They're just really stretched in when they want to go small, and when Crowder's not in the lineup, so so that that could be a really big issue. Uh, obviously, along with Isaiah Thomas, he's one of their most irreplaceable guys, not just because of everything that he does on both ends of the court, but because if there's one area where they lack depth. It's kind of that that size on the wing, so hope, hopefully for for their sake he, he won't miss much time if, if any. And if he was going to suffer the injury, he kind of picked a good time to do it with with a, a few days before their next game. 
We'll talk about the injury a little later because I want to get into that because it seems that every time that the Celtics are getting a guy back, one guy then goes out because they've always been suffering injuries throughout the year. They've been very fortunate in the fact that they've never had a guy go down for the season or they've had multiple guys out at one time. But, you know, we see Kelly Olenek coming back now, Jay Crowder. It looks like he's going to go out for a couple of games. Let's talk about the the, the problem, though, that this team has. You're right with just I mean, the paint. Uh, Houston, I believe, I once again, I didn't have the audacity to check this. I believe it was 60 to 46 in the paint. But we've seen numerous times now, particularly recently, even this team get away with winning games because they really haven't faced anybody on the schedule that can throw a really good big man at them. And when they do, they usually they lose, such as Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert against Utah when they lost out in Utah right after the All-Star break. Carl Anthony Towns again right after the All-Star break. They survived a Greg Monroe outburst in Boston. They did not survive a Greg Monroe outburst in Milwaukee. Is this something that's going to have to wait till the offseason, or is this going to be an issue that's going to go out throughout the remainder of the year? And It's just a dike in the hole that's never going to get rectified. You know, it's... It's weird because you'd think it would be a monster issue that they can't really or haven't really stopped uh, top big men. But then you look around the league, there are very few low-post big men who can really hurt you. And you look at teams in the Eastern Conference, you can go really almost any team that they could play. Maybe any team they could play. Yeah, There's except, no one yeah, except for Detroit. Catch the ball. Although even Drummond, you know, he, he's not that guy. I think what's what's really hurt them the most is, are the guys that you can dump it in and go get a buck. Tell them go get a bucket, like like Monroe, like Towns, like the guys you were talking about. Uh, they, they've done a pretty good job, I think, with rollers. I, I thought they did, with the exception of a couple alley oops, a pretty good job on Dwight Howard, who had a really good game, I thought. But yeah, and they've had a top five defense throughout the year. I don't think it's a huge issue, uh, but obviously it's one of those things where. You, you would you would prefer not to, to give up huge outings almost any time you face a, a, a quality low-post big man. What about the injuries? That's something I definitely want to touch upon because I was, I was just discussing it briefly, but I did want to get to the issue with the big men. I still think it's going to be a problem going forward, no question about it in my mind. But something that's really bothered me for years, and I know it's bothered you, and I know you say it in jest on your show a lot, but let's look at the bad here. Jay Crowder, he's probably going to miss some time if it is that high ankle sprain. Uh, that's a, an injury in football that's usually like four games. I mean, that's just not good. That's not good to have. It does. That's something that doesn't cure over the course of a couple days or a couple games. And if you keep playing on it, it's an issue. But it seems that as a, every year there are players that go on the shelf for this team, and every year there are players who get healthy when they seemingly play anywhere else. Is it bothersome to you at all that all these injuries? I don't know all these injuries. But bothersome to you at all that? Uh, Players don't exactly come and play for the Celtics and get in good shape, and they go other places and they get in better shape. <laughs> if you're talking about David Lee, uh, it, it, it's weird. I think it, it's weird. I think that he talked about getting in better shape after he was dropped from the Celtics rotation, and that he openly kind of admitted that he wasn't in the best shape to start the season after playing limited minutes last year and celebrating a title this summer. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a little bothersome. I, I will say that Brad Stevens stuck up for David Lee and said that he thought Lee kind of set an example for the younger guys because, you know, he, he was dropped from the rotation and still was running sprints with Jordan Mickey, Terry Rozier, RJ Hunter. 
there are other guys who knew going to play. He 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 acted. He was a 19, 20 year old, you know, and, and just trying to fight his way uh, in, into establishing himself. And so Stevens respected that, I think. And a lot of players on the team they they really they really liked David Lee. So I I, I don't want to rip him too badly because the reaction in the locker room wasn't what my reaction would have been. So that that that's what I'll say about David Lee. Um, well, you get a little political then, here. As far as the injuries, I don't think – I think they've been pretty healthy this year. You know, Smart and Bradley went down for a little while earlier this year. But Isaiah Thomas has been healthy, and he, he's historically missed at least a stretch of games every year. I feel like they've gotten Jared, lucky with Sollinger. Jared Sollinger, and they yeah, gave for the first thir- time. And they, and they gave him 32 minutes last night or the other night there. He, he's been playing really well. And I think his defense, you know, obviously he didn't cut as much weight as maybe the Celtics wanted him to this summer, but he's clearly in better shape than he was at any point last season. And especially, I think, like midway through the season, he, he almost seemed to gain weight last year. And this year he's, he's really done a much better job defensively, I think. And on the glass, obviously, he's really lifted his rebound rate. And there are times, and Stevens has said this lately, that when they go on their runs, it's like he gobbles up every rebound and throws outlet passes, and it turns into offense the other way. And Steven says, you know, almost every run they go on, it seems like he's a big part of it. So Solinger has had a really good season, and obviously the Olenek thing has been an issue. And I think the longer he's been out, the more that's kind of exposed the Celtics bench a little bit. Um, Or maybe not exposed the Celtics bench because it's still pretty good. But with him that group was really powerful and maybe it hasn't been, or it definitely hasn't been quite so powerful in, uh, I believe it's love games now that he's, I think they've been pretty lucky as far as injuries go, but the, the, the Olympic one hurts and it's crowded out. That, that definitely hurts quite a bit. I think it's more so that they miss the component, too, of Olenek than it is the case of even missing what he brings to the bench. I thought they've gotten – I mean, I don't know. I just thought they were very fortunate in that the teams that they played with Olenek, the Celtics did a good job of putting a lot of those games and putting a lot of those wins in the bank before they get into meet, some meat here. And I feel like on this, this Sunday morning that – we could very easily be, I don't want to say fretting, but because I, I, I don't get to take that sports as seriously as I once did. But, I mean, I look at the schedule and I see three consecutive games where they're not going to be favored. In, and the only reason why I'm not is freaking out as, as much as anybody you would think they should is because, as I said in the opening, so many historical examples, recent, hist- recent history has shown this team win games where they lost a terrible game at home and then they went on the road uh, on a tough place to play the next night. And it isn't going to be till next Tuesday where they do play and get in the wind. Yeah. As I said, I I don't think that that Rockets game will linger. And I think, I mean, they played pretty well against Houston. I thought they they just didn't hit shots. They, they turned the ball over too much, especially in the first half. Isaiah Thomas was uncharacteristically sloppy. And, but other than that, you know, I, I thought, thought they just missed shots they were scrambling Terry Rozier comes in grabs seven rebounds in 10 minutes uh Art I thought especially given the small lineups they had to go to I thought they defended pretty well you know James Harden hit some tough shots Michael Beasley randomly got going and and they still you know they were they were right in it at the end so I don't think that that that's one Stevens will will really regret and 
I, I do think, you know, they, they played probably better than their score just because they missed a lot of shit. Avery Bradley had like five or six missed corner threes where he was really open, and that's not going to happen very often. So it, it's pretty tough for, for the next few games. Last one to get you out of here because the reason I thought the Rockets won outside of obviously the domination and the pain, the fact that the Celtics played like crap, I didn't think Houston played all that well either. The only the really difference is, I mentioned it briefly, I mean, I just hate it when this comes up because it results in fa- fantasies. But, uh, you know, Houston had James Harden they could go to at the end of the game when things were getting a little ugly on the offensive end for both teams. This name's been thrown out a lot, and I've been doing it on purpose largely because I believe that the Celtics, if they're going to be really diabolical, need to create a super pack. They need to air negative ads in cities, and they need to generate phony coverage in the media, phony dialogue in the media to sort of drum up interest and intrigue on Kevin Durant. We got our main man, Nate Jones, on Twitter, pounding away on Twitter about Kevin, getting Kevin Durant in Boston. Basically, I'm going to ask you, man, are you going to play your part and really be a uh, good soldier, good foot soldier here in the media and start drumming up some you know, fluff to get Durant here in Boston? Well, it's funny that we were just talking about this because – you know, there there have been the people saying, oh, Boston could be a good fit for the Thunder. Obviously, the Celtics have a pretty good team. They have cap space. And the Thunder are coming to Boston on Wednesday. So I assume Kevin Durant will probably hear some questions about what he thinks about Boston and the Celtics. you, you got to do more than so, just questions. <laughs> what, you want, you want me to beg him? To come to no, Boston you, you got to do this. You got to do the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, you know, WWF like dialogue and create it like you know. <laughs> like I said, you know, if Kevin Durant goes to the Celtics and they win a championship, uh, he'd be the greatest player in the history of team sports. And you get your other guy to agree. You can play that game. You need to create an environment. Everybody needs to play their part to create an environment. And likewise, the Celtics should do their part. Maybe you know, funnel some shadowy money. Uh, start airing negative ads about Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. It is an election year, after all. I say use those dirty tricks every every means possible to do something like that. I'm, I'm going to say I'm asking him because you know if, if you would fall in line, I'm willing to fall in line in that regards. We don't we can never have to admit guilt, but I'm just asking if you would be willing to do something like that because I'm openly saying I would. I I think I'm going to have to stay away from that. I, I'm going to have to try to stay partial as as a reporter. Um. So, but I, I will say this. Uh, among teams out there, and there there will be a lot of teams this summer with free agency money, and a lot of teams, obviously every team with money. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think Philly's got a shot at them? <laughs> uh, no, but every team with money will want to chase Kevin Durant. I, I do think, when, when you look at the landscape of teams out there, that the Celtics are one of the teams he could go to and instantly turn them into a and obviously he's he's one of the one of the top five players in the league, uh, probably better than that, and he he is a, he is a franchise changing type of player, and after some some questionable coaching he's had in his career, after kind of a a, a weird fit with Russell Westbrook, who, who he does really seem to respect though. I think a situation like Boston's would be a little enticing. I don't think the Celtics have any real chance of getting him. I think if if he leaves, it'll be somewhere else. But that being said, the Celtics have really put together an interesting 
roster. They have an, they have obviously a, a top coach who, who is becoming a real draw, and they have all sorts of flexibility and draft picks moving forward. So their situation is really good, whether it's for Kevin Durant, who, again, I think there's a very, very minuscule chance he comes to Boston. But I, I do think their situation is, is really attractive right now to, to guys in that market, just despite the cold weather. Definitely want to get into that with our next guest. Jay, I just got to tell you, I'm just happy that we're even enabled to have this discussion. To even talk about things like this 10, 11 months ago, you would have laughed out of the room. We can now actually discuss it because of what the Celtics have accomplished. But everyone, Jay King, Mass Live, also of the Raining Jays podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the usuals if you want more of Jay. If you don't want as much of Jay with that, maybe just get Jay in 140 characters or less. You can follow him on Twitter at ByJayKing. Good to get you back on the show, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Again, that's Jay King getting the show. And everyone, everyone squarely back on the rails here. Want to break briefly to get a message in here for our audience, but stay tuned. We've got today's featured guest of the show, Michael Lee, here on Solid Speed coming up. You're listening to CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of Boston Celtics. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they all try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That is why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Kevin Durant is in Boston this Wednesday, and you can see Durant and the Oklahoma City Thunder visit the TD Garden on March 16th, and I use the SeatGeek app on my phone to look at tickets to that game. And it's not just the Celtics and Bruins, but all other sports and concerts as well almost anywhere in the country. SeatGeek aggregates all available tickets online into one place to save you time and money. The SeatGeek app enables you to set alerts for upcoming events, and SeatGeek themselves will let you know if ticket prices fall. Listeners, you get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how to get your $20 rebate on tickets. Download the free SeatGeek app. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT. That's Celtics Beat in all one word. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code Celtics Beat to claim your $20 today. Welcome back into the show. Some programming information before we get to our guest. Celtics Stuff Live, the original Celtics podcast, and one of the pioneer podcasts in all of the internet realm. They're off and running on their 2.0 edition here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Tomorrow, hosts Justin Poole and John Duke, they'll talk about the Celtics. Yay! And they're, they're going to do so with familiar face Jimmy Toscano, he of the Comcast Sports Net New England. Also featured many, many times on the Garden Report. That is available tomorrow, Monday, March 14th. Going to be up on clnsradio.com. And also, the easiest way to listen, download the CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android and get all this comprehensive coverage of the Boston Celtics right at your fingertip. So great guests on CSL tomorrow and great guests here with us right now on Celtics Beat. So let's rock and roll with this. Today's 
featured guest segment on Celtics Beat is being brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond. Even USDA regulations and all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed from poultry to pork and, of course, beef. AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. What are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Michael Lee. NBA senior writer for The Vertical, a mainstay on the NBA beat for many years, covering the league for the Washington Post. Now in the world of digital media, www.sports.yahoo.com slash Woj, sports.yahoo.com slash Woj. Michael, welcome into the show, my friend. So glad to have you here. Got to start off with what we've been talking about so far on this show, a Celtic show. The Celtics playing well. I know it goes without saying how good it looks for them down the line and how well positioned they are moving forward. But I got to ask you of your opinion, what do you see now and their potential to, of course, not win a championship or appear in the finals this year, but any possibility in the Eastern Conference postseason? Well, I mean, they definitely should. I think they can win a round, um, you know, if uh, and they could possibly even, you know, go to the conference finals just based on the way things are set up. Um you know, the the East is so wide open, and, you know, they don't necessarily have, you know, uh, a franchise-type player, but they do have a franchise coach. And uh, and I have confidence that Brad Stevens is going to be able to, you know, devise the game plan to win a playoff series or two um, just because he's been doing his working magic all year and pretty much since he's been in Boston. Um, so I, I think he learned a lot from last year. If you look at – the way the Celtics played the Cavaliers, they didn't pull off any wins last year in the first round, but they, they probably played them tougher than any team that didn't beat them. They definitely were the toughest opponent they faced in the Eastern Conference playoffs uh, last year. So I, I think, you, you know, you look at what Brad Stevens doing now, what he's doing with Isaiah Thomas, and just, you know, the way he's found, you know, A.J. Crowder and, you know, um, you know, guys made them really, you know, block them, you know, under, under his tutelage. I think you got to have confidence that the Celtics will just make some noise in the playoffs. I want to get to your opinions on Cleveland because I know from what I've been reading about you, you're not exactly bullish on them. But I still want to stick with the Celtics here, then we're going to shift things a little bit. I've been reading your work up on the vertical since you guys got rolling back on the 29th of January, which, by the way, I mean, are we going to celebrate the debut of the vertical like a national holiday in the coming years, like Bastille Day or something? But. Anyways, saw this past weekend you were out in Los Angeles. You hung around the Lakers for a few days, including their big win against Golden State last Sunday. You had some great work on the Lakers, particularly a piece that I read on D'Angelo Russell, who's really turned his season around. And if our audience wants to read up more on that, I suggest our audience read that piece. We're going to put a link in the description of this show for our listeners. So anyways, you're out in L.A., saw what they've been doing firsthand with their young guys Tell me, you know, to tie this in with the Celtics, how would you match up the Celtics' long-term prospects with that of, say, oh, geez, I don't know, their arch-rivals, the Lakers, and maybe even a quick – go ahead. They're, they're, they're clearly much more advanced. They're clearly farther ahead, um, you know, and they and they know that, you know, eventually the plan is to try to trade for a superstar, and they have the assets to do it. The Lakers right now, their primary goal is to make sure they don't win enough to blow the top three pick that they have to keep if they want to keep this uh, franchise moving in the right direction. Uh, I think that they right now they, they see some hope and promise in Jordan Clarkson, DeAngelo Russell, and, and Julius Randle. 
Um, but I, I still don't know what the ceiling is going to be on those guys if they have any necessarily bona fide superstars in the making um, going forward. And uh, I think that that's one of the issues. Obviously, the Celtics don't have any superstars right now, but they do have the pieces to acquire one down the road. I don't know if the Lakers can say that. They do have the lure of Los Angeles and the attraction that maybe a free agent may want to eventually go there. Uh, but I just feel like when I think about the Lakers organization, replacing Kobe Bryant will be a difficult task for any player to do, and not, not just in terms of the, the talent, but just the shadow and the way the fans worship him and the standard that he's going to be held to. You look at Dwight Howard when he arrived there in a trade, he could never live up to the Kobe standard. And I think that wore on him, and it made it a difficult time while he was there, and he fled the first opportunity he got. So anybody that goes into Los Angeles, uh, he's going to have to, you know, kind of, you know, come out of that Kobe shadow. In Boston, I think the fans, they just willing to embrace anybody who's going to help them win. They're not going to judge anybody or compare them to Paul Pierce or Larry Bird or all the greats that, you know, played at that organization. They're, they just want to win. I don't know if that's necessarily the same uh, focus with the Lakers. They want flash. They want flair. They want all the, the, the things that made Lakers glamorous. Um, so I think that's the one advantage the Celtics have, too, is that, the fan base is just willing to accept whoever comes there as long as they're going to compete and win. And Los Angeles standards a little bit higher. That's a really good point that you brought up, and I never really thought of that. And it, it makes a lot of sense because you're right about Lakers fans, particularly this generation with Kobe. I mean, they treat him a little bit differently than just any other basketball player. They do put him on a pedestal. and quite, I mean, he is almost a cult figure. And you're right, there is always going to be that comparing. It's almost like when Jordan retired in the NBA and in the early 2000s, there was this constant comparisons of guys like Pierce and Carter and McGrady and Kobe and all those guys to Jordan. I thought it really took a lot away from them. But it's funny that you mentioned that the Celtics have a lot going for them in free agency because you hear sometimes a lot of times they bring up the hindrance of that off off the court that Boston has, be it the weather, the taxes, lack of beautiful women in this city, uh, bad race relations in their history. I mean, have you talked to any players regarding? Do you think that still holds water in nowadays in 2016? I don't know if it holds as much because I mean, if this guy like Kevin Love's going to sign a long term deal in Cleveland. I think that, you know, any, any team, any city is going to be able to lure guys uh, as long as the money's right and the opportunity to win's right. I mean, I don't know if guys are, are as caught up, uh, you know, in certain things they were maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, I, I think Brad Stevens as a coach is, is, has made Boston an attractive place. Um, I just think that overall what Danny Ainge is doing, I think people know that he's a guy that, that's proven that he can put together a championship team um, you know, KG obviously was reluctant about being traded there, but you know he got he got dealt there. He he played there. He loved playing there. He won there. Um, you know, and I think that just the way the team has been built over the years, uh, I, I think guys can look past any any other negativity about the city of Boston. I think people know that the fans there are passionate about their teams. They know that if you go out there and you give a honest effort and compete, that they're going to embrace you and they're going to love you back. So. I don't know if that necessarily holds true. Yeah, I think that the Celtics' recent success, and I call it recently as in within the last 10 years when they were competing for championships towards the end of the prior decade, that's still in the mind of a lot of young players. And as 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 it is, I think that's washed away some of their bad past history. I want to sort of get back to talking about the Lakers 
uh, when you were out there because of the game that I read a lot about you was the Lakers and the Warriors game. That was sort of one of the big games of the NBA season thus far. And I watched it last Sunday afternoon. You saw the Lakers beat the Warriors firsthand. Was that just a bad day for Golden State? I mean, even the 96 Bulls lost to the Nets. They lost to an expansion Raptors team on the road that year. Could you sort of chalk that up as one of those days where they just missed a bunch of outside shots? Yeah, I I could chalk it up to boredom. I could chalk it up to what typically happens in March and April. Uh, And it it usually leads to, like, full of gold hope for a lot of teams. I I had the fortune of covering some bad teams uh, in Atlanta and uh, in, in Washington, and I know that in the second half of the season, there are a lot of schedule losses. That, and not, not necessarily schedule losses, but like where guys look at the schedule, they look at the opponent, and they go, "We don't need to really bring it that night because we're going to either win if we lose, so be it." They're not going to bring. They're not going to elevate their game. Um, if the Warriors all of a sudden start losing to the Spurs or the Thunder or the Clippers, you know, some of the top tier teams in the West or the East. Then I started being concerned about where their head's at, you know, in terms of being a championship contender. But really good teams, you know, it's hard to stay locked in all year. It's hard to stay locked in and competitive to play at a high level, especially when you've got such a fear of competition. And you look at that matchup, I think it was the greatest regular season upset in NBA history where you had a team that had 51 losses, taking on a team that had 51 wins in the second week of March, like the first time it had ever happened. Um, but I think a lot of that is due to the fact the Lakers are not very good, and there wasn't enough incentive for them to get up for that game other than maybe chasing history. And I guess that night it just wasn't enough. But I think there's a bit of a complacency kind of coming in with the Warriors because, you know, you, you can see it when they play the elite teams. They can turn it up. But when they're playing the Lakers or they're playing Orlando, um, it's going to be a, a much more difficult. But you can see recently, you know, the Jazz came in, their team is chasing the playoffs, and they just blew them out by 20. So I just think that it's all about right now what's going to get their antennas up. The Lakers are a team that's going to get their antennas up. Yeah, they have a lot of, you know, just those one of those losses on the road this year. They don't have any home losses uh, thus far. I mean, Go ahead. The Warriors have had this year. They lost to Denver. Denver, and Milwaukee. I mean, these aren't like the top of the – Cream to crop yeah, teams Detroit. Yeah, so but their losses aren't necessarily against the teams you would expect. And I think a lot of that is because it's just it's really hard to stay up and stay high wire for eighty two games. Uh it's just a really difficult challenge. And they've done a great job right now. I mean I mean with their record right now, they've done a great job to be in you have this many wins, already have a playoff first uh clinched, you know, pretty much have uh, you know, everything Everything but the number one seed locked up, but the Spurs have been so great. Uh, but I think that their focus, I, I wouldn't question it too much, but it is tougher when the opponents are that much inferior. Are you one of those people who believes that it's just going to be the Western Conference Championship for the NBA Finals and it's just going to come down to San Antonio and Golden State and it's just goodbye after that? Because I know you're you're not you're pretty bearish on Cleveland. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I just think that I'm not necessarily as hard on Cleveland as maybe they seem. I just think that they have a lot to figure out. Um, they have a lot that they, they should already be beyond, you know, some of their chemistry problems and some of their frustrations. They should be beyond that by now. And I think that, you know, maybe things come together in the playoffs. Uh, it's just that last year they really caught steam, you know, the last couple of months. Uh, they only had like, they're like something like 30 and four or something ridiculous going into the playoffs. And you could look at it and you could see a team that was really ready to win a championship. And I think now you look at the Cavaliers and they're just, they're not really challenged in the East. They don't really take anybody seriously as a threat to, um, to win, you know, to win the East against them. So 
they're not really playing up to their standard, and you don't know if they'll necessarily be able to turn it on. And if they face a Western Conference team, they haven't really competed at a high level against the Warriors, um, or and they they beat the, the Spurs. Uh, but I think that no one really take that take that loss, you know, and, and give them like, oh yeah, they're going to be a team that can be there in the end. I just think that they're dealing with too much stuff that a, a championship contender should not be dealing with right now, and that's why I, I don't have as much confidence in them. But I I feel like the Western Conference. You know, it's just so much more stacked. Um, and the Warriors and the Spurs have separated themselves from everybody else out there. And uh, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat one of those two teams. And I think everybody's looking forward to seeing them meet up for seven games. It's something we didn't get a chance to see last year. And I think right now with Marcus Aldridge in the fold with the Spurs, it should be a pretty fun series. And I think next week's game, um, when, the, uh, when the Spurs play the Warriors on Saturday, I think that's going to be the, the – most highly anticipated game in a long time, so it's going to be fun. Well, that's if Greg Popovich doesn't rest his like he did in the prior matchup, I believe, was like January 25th or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, Especially with this on national TV. He, he, he's, he's definitely, you know, somebody who can, who can uh, throw a wrench and, and play. And, uh, but I think Spurs are, are, you know, even though they're, I think, three or four games behind the awards, I think what they're really scared of is that they haven't figured out what it takes to beat them. Um, and nobody really has. There isn't necessarily a magic formula because if you look at the losses that the, that the Warriors have had, no team has really just beat them. They've really lost because they didn't have their full roster or um, somebody just – or it was a fluky situation where nobody can hit a shot. Um, and I don't know if you can guarantee or count on that happening four times in a seven-game series. So the, the Spurs have a lot to figure out about themselves, and I think that – they're they're a little concerned about how it's gonna how they're gonna beat um, the Warriors in a seven game series. So I would expect I don't think Popper is gonna play any kind of sandbagging games uh, to set up for a playoff. I think he knows that they have to prove they can beat them because they don't necessarily have that mental edge over them right now. Love all this Spurs and Warriors talk because it just insinuates that Oklahoma City has no shot, that Kevin Durant, I think he should flee that place like it's Damascus. Maybe maybe look forward to wind up and try to come east, maybe a little easier pass the NBA finals for him, but he would be a good fit. He would be a really good fit. I would think he just, he seamlessly <laughs> would fit in there, but perfect. I just me. You know, it's just my opinion, uh, but I'm just, it's how I look at it. I, I'm, I'm going to uh, say that I think if, if he does decide to go east, I, I would, I wouldn't think that the Celtics would be a bad option. I honestly think that it's a, it's a, it's a team that he could really thrive in. You know that Brad Stevens is going to be creative. He's going to come up with an innovative system that can help maximize his talent. I think that's the one thing that I think has been disappointing about Durant's time in Oklahoma City is that you see this generational talent, this sensational score, this incredible offensive weapon, and you still know that there's, you think there's another level that he could get to if, if he had a coach that could come up with a system or a scheme that could really expand his game. And I think that's that's kind of what you what Brad Stevens could do, but uh, you know you, you just never know. I, I think that Durant had a lot to do. He's focused on trying to win in Oklahoma City, and uh, they have the talent. I mean, there certainly is a lot of talent with the Thunder. They've had a lot of um, you know misfortune over the last couple of weeks with you know uh, you know Monty Williams' wife passing and um, the, their owner Aubrey McClendon passing, and I think the brother of Deion Waiters just passed, and so I think they've been dealing with a lot of things that kind of make it a a much more emotional uh, challenge for them. And I think that they would like to, you know, just be focused on just playing basketball right now, especially with all the um, 
you know, situations going on with Durant's free agency. But I think overall, um, you know, he, he's he's been focused on trying to lead this team and not really allow the other distractions affect the way he plays, which I think says a lot about him and his character. Yeah, I just think they're in a bad spot being out west. I mean, obviously, too, it, it would be easier for him if he was out east. But I, I love what you said because I'm trying to put together a Kevin Durant super pack. I think that's the way to really recruit free agencies nowadays is to start airing negative ads and stuff like that and play that game. Michael, i got to squeeze one more prediction out of you. We're talking about those two teams, the Warriors and the Spurs. There has not been much talk about it recently, but it, I do expect it to heat up. Okay, this season here in Boston, some of the major networks are celebrating the 1986 Celtics season. If you ask the people in Boston, Michael, they're going to tell you that's the greatest single-season team in the history of team sports. But one of their yep. most noted accomplishments was the 50-1 and home record, including the playoffs. So, Mr. Michael Lee, your life's on the line here. Can the Warriors or Spurs match or possibly even surpass it? Uh, through the playoffs as well, no. No, because they, they have to face each other. And uh, I have a feeling that one of those teams is going to sneak a win off the other. It's possible. Uh, it'll be even tougher. The weird thing about the Warriors, like 40-whatever game win streak they're on right now at home, that they did lose two games at home last year. Um, so I think that there's definitely a chance they could lose in the playoffs um, just because, you know, there's going to be some night where some guy is just going to get loose and you just have no answer for it. And that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, in a regular season, it's a little easier to – kind of handle teams, but in the playoffs, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know. I think the Celtics will be safe. Michael Lee of the Vertical at Yahoo Sports. You can follow Michael on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. Thanks so much for stopping by, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Oof. Love. Let's take on Durant. Can, can we get that again, please? Roll it. I wouldn't think that the Celtics will be a bad option. I honestly think that it's a, it's a, it's a team that he could really thrive in. You know that Brad Stevens is going to be creative. He's going to come up with an innovative system that can help maximize his talent. I think that's the one thing that I think has been disappointing about Durant's time in Oklahoma City is that you see this generational talent, this sensational score, this incredible offensive weapon, and you still know that there's, you think there's another level that he could get to if, if he had a coach that could come up with a system or a scheme that could really expand his game. And I think that's that's kind of – what you, what Brad Stevens could do. Yeah. Yes. I, there was a reason I was talking about this last week. And, you know, maybe I don't want to have to be shuffling shadowy funds to the national media guys after all, or the Celtics don't have to do that. Now the, now the question is, can we get all these guys to generate huge dialogue on all the national shows and go forth with the endless banters while offering up those great points, Michael Lee? And repeat those great points over and over and over and over again, as Joseph Goebbels once famously said, repeat the lie over and over again, and eventually the people believe it. But this is not a lie. I really believe this is going to be a thing, and that's why I spoke of this on last week's show. And, and yes, there is a little business thought going on in there. I mean, I've got a little head start on it on last week's show because it's, you know, I do believe this is going to be a legitimate storyline. And like right now, here we go. Lo and behold, here comes the corporate media. And I know one, one of the networks used some of their carnival barkers to trot out some fantasies attaching Durant's name along with like 10 other guys in the league. So that way they can get a headline. And then that way you can put Kevin Durant, Boston Celtics, Anthony Davis, Al Horford, put that all in one headline. You know, maybe even dress them up in Celtics jerseys and then people click. I know, I know, I know. I know. Hey, you know what? Best for business. I know how the game's played. I know it's you know, sadly. But, but uh, by the way, too, I mean, is you know, this last week and. 
Thanks to all the mighty wonders of data mining, I get Patriots free agency news plastered from these fish wrap blogs that I don't even follow. You know, it's just all over my Facebook timeline, and, and I see these headlines are, the Patriots just offered this free agent an offer seat. The Patriots just signed this great player on the first day of free agency. See which big-time free agent the Patriots are meeting with. Like, wow, it didn't let take us too long to get to this point, huh? I mean, I, I didn't know that getting what you deem relevant news is now like being a seven-year-old opening up presents on Christmas morning here. Just uh, Anything goes now to get these page views. And then if you are dumb enough to fall for this spam, you get a newsletter pop up, another link asking you for a survey, uh, six YouTube videos that are on autoplay so they can tack on those download numbers, all just to see the, the Patriots sign freaking Joey Bag of Donuts to their practice squad. But uh, let's go back to talking about how great the Celtics are. And we simply do this by talking about the Durant possibility by even having the ability to entertain this. And I say how great the Celtics are. That discussion, I mean, even be able to have this discussion is an indirect way for us to measure not how far this current team has come, but how far this franchise has come in such a short period of time. I mean, I can remember doing this show a year and a half ago. Heck, I mean, even this time last spring, 10, 11 months ago, and, and we had plenty of national media members on it. I was, I was afraid to even pose a question about free agents and cap space the Celtics have because uh, I, I, I may have fear out of getting my head bitten off. And many in the local media and fans would fall in line with this as well. Like you could not even discuss or entertain for a thought Boston signing a halfway decent free agent, let alone a flipping Kevin Durant, without fear of being chastised and maybe even freaking stoned. How dare? I mean, no free agent is signed with the Celtics in their history. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And, and people would just go nuts. And you know, there was no coincidence whatsoever that I tossed in that bad racial history remark to Michael Lee, as I've done with guys like David Aldridge. Um, Seku Smith and prior appearances on this show. You know, when I've asked about potential free agents and, and maybe problems Boston with with such as weather, high taxes, uh, the lack of an electric nightlife, and you know, maybe a smaller pool when it comes to grabbing female talent, and of course, the race thing, like, you know, the buses. And, uh, yeah, they once impaled the guy with an American flag, amongst other things. Just threw that in there with Michael, and, well, let's roll it again, shall we? I think I can look past any any other negativity about the city of Boston. I think people know that the fans there are passionate about their teams. They know that if you go out there and you give a honest effort and compete, that they're going to embrace you and they're going to love you back. So, 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 so yes. Gotta say one thing that we all have going for us as Celtics fans. Maybe that understanding of history 20, 30, 40 years ago doesn't resonate now. I mean, you know, it's just not there. And, Fortunately, we as a civilization here in the Western Hemisphere, we are not as sharp as we once were. We've got a hard enough time remembering stuff that happened 10 friggin' minutes ago, let alone prior decades. So maybe the degradation of American society, maybe that's going to help in this instance, uh, sadly. But, wow, a lot has changed, though, huh? I mean, just a lot has changed. And just listening to that Lee clip again, and, you know, definitely don't get your hopes up, please, people. Just... Don't go all Nick fan and start filling out the Celtics starting lineup, their front court, having Kevin Durant, Al Horford, and Anthony Davis. Please, that is a Nick fan thing to do. Don't do it. But listening to that Lee clip again, 
that outside perception has to make you feel good as a fan. Has to make you feel good as a fan. Things there are a lot different for the better. Like I said, not just on the court, pretty damn good team now that's set up nicely for the future. But the culture and the perception that surrounds this team, it's just much more positive, much more positive. So many you know, new people think of it just much differently and can give credit to Wick. Give credit to Danny. Give credit to uh, uh, Rich Gotham. Yeah, Rich, especially for continuously appearing on this show. But give those guys credit. They doubled down for years on this, and it was never executive speed about, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, of course we can sign players and they want to come here. But Wick, Danny, Rich, they have doubled down and were very forthright on what they do and what they lay out there and what needs to be achieved on a short and long-term basis to even have players be such possibilities this summer, uh, next summer, tomorrow. Well, obviously not tomorrow, uh, but you get my drift here. But let alone of this actually happening at all. So that's that's just how I'm looking at this. Looking at yet another accomplishment that I've seen this year. Just what a change in perception, both locally and nationally. I mean, this is back-to-back weeks here on Celtics Beat. Two 20-year NBA journalist vets, two of the most influential names in the national media, have come on this show and have discussed at length of what a great fit Kevin Durant would be and talked about how... Yeah, that would be a great move, and we, we need more of this. More, more, more. We need Nate Jones. We need Nate Jones tweeting every day. Pound away, baby. Kevin, Brad Stevens may win 50 games in a season with a couple guys named Isaiah J and Kelly. Just imagine what he'd do with you. Hit that up, Nate Jones, and hit that up anybody. That, that, that is my advice for our listeners today. Keep egging this Nate Jones guy on, Celtics fan. Keep egging him on. Well, that and eat grass-fed steak from AmericanFarmersNetwork.com to lean out before the summer. So eat healthy first, then winning. Even George Steinbrenner said that, too. Winning comes after breathing. So that is a perfect way to wrap this baby up here on Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Round the clock we go. Celtic Stuff Live back tomorrow. Again, Justin and John, they're going to be joined by the Guard Report's own Jimmy Toscano. And then... The Celtics' next game on Tuesday on the Boston Celtics pregame show with Moa LHR. I'm going to be joined by former Celtic and current Pacers color commentator to talk about the Celtics-Pacers matchup in Indiana that night. That will be up on clnsradio.com Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, making it the first pregame show to air anywhere in the lead-up to tip. So we are going to see plenty more of you guys every day throughout this week. Until next time in this space, let's sign this baby off. Music for Celtic Beat was provided by Will Rock, Hyde 209, Chuck Beats, and Steph Legratko. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. You can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, Google Plus Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guest, Michael Lee, as well as our sponsors, SeatGeek and American Farmers Network, for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.